You know what time it is. It's time to get inspired, get focused, and get results. It's time to get inked. Welcome to today's program. We're so excited that you've joined us. Now sit back, relax, and let's learn some good stuff together. So we are back after many months. How's everybody doing? Are you, are you happy to be back? I'm glad to see everybody. It's good to be back together. You know, this is why the scripture says, uh, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Eve, as the days grow closer, he knew why he was saying that. Because being together has this power that you can't get otherwise. And I feel like what the enemy tried to do in 2020 is to just like separate everybody out, you know. And we see it manifesting now, but it's not going to last. But his, whole, his goal is separation. The first thing he did was separate Adam and Eve from God. And his goal is always to separate and divide. And because he can't conquer us together. He has to divide and like attack. You know, this is why uh, when you're under attack, just get around Christian people. They don't even have to know what's going on. Just get around them and just talk and fellowship. Because then... You're in a group. But it's when you can be divided out um, that he can really hit you harder. And that's why Pastor Doug and I try to connect and do all these things that we try to do while we were away because we know that part of it, right? So tonight, what I want to talk about is when Pastor Doug was preaching a couple weeks ago, haven't the messages been awesome? I've been like, wow. <laughs> um, I'm getting a lot of, I get like all kinds of stuff out of it. But one thing that he was saying was when he was talking about how um, the bones of Jesus weren't broken, right? Uh, the, when the soldier went to Jesus, they didn't break his bones because he was already dead. So, uh, so that just like, wow. So I want to talk to us about something. My topic tonight is God's side and man's side. God's side and man's side. And I want you to see something. See, again, remember I told you that Satan wants to divide and separate. So, um, when he divides you, when he divides you, he also wants to be the only communication signal that you get. So, so he divides not just for separate spaces, but for um, his voice. It's to cut off the voices that could influence you and could tell you and that could be a mirror to you. Let's put it that way. To be a mirror to you. Because if because the word of God's a mirror, right? But nobody's gonna go look in the mirror if they think they're ugly. I've heard many people tell me they don't even look in the mirror anymore. Well, that's pretty sad. Because <laughs> whether you look in the mirror or not, it's still there, whatever you don't want to look at. Right? And other people have to look at it. So you might as well get a good glimpse of what everybody else is looking at. <laughs> but my point is, he wants to describe you to you and he doesn't want God to describe you to you 
But in order to do that, because see, God's words are so powerful that it will overpower anybody else's word. So in order to do that properly, he has to separate you from God's voice. And God may speak to you directly, which the Holy Spirit does. We know that, right? But sometimes you may not be sure, so God will send somebody in your life that could speak to you. This is why we have to be together, right? right. And God may, get, may have somebody speak into your life, and you have to decide which signal you're going to agree with. Because that tells you what side you are going to get results from. Okay, so, so God's side has a signal, and man's side receives a signal. Okay, so we're receiving signal. And the reason why Jesus came was so there was no interruption in the signal, that we could become one again with Christ, right? With God, we could become in union with God from being separated because of sin, because of what the devil did, he came in and brought the noise. You know, like when they're doing, um, when they're analyzing signals and stuff, the static is the noise. So the enemy, I'm thinking I might need to put this here because I'm in front of it. Um, the enemy will um, try to, uh, I think it was you, Ms. Lisa, was telling me about the um, static in the, between radio signals, the frequency, is what they pull out to make the horror movie sounds. Imagine that, yeah. So imagine if you're being fed that your whole life. That's misery. And how do we know it's static? It's when you can't hear the voice of God clearly. When you can't think for yourself, when you're being bombarded with signals. God would never bombard you with thoughts. He would renew your mind. He won't bombard you. Right? This is how you know the difference. If you're being nagged and tormented, it's not God because perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. So fear is not a spirit from God. So if fear is speaking to you, it's, it's separating you from the voice of God from the signal getting to you. Not from the love of God, but from the instructions of God. There's a difference, okay? So like my sons, if they decide not to listen to what I have to say, I don't stop loving them. It's just that they're not gonna benefit from what I have to say. And then now you end up living a life by experience, your experience, not, not wise counsel. You see the difference, right? Both are okay, but both aren't wise. So we could choose to live a life of wisdom, or we could choose to live a life by experience. I prefer to live the experience stuff in miracles from God, preferably that happen to other people through me. Not for me have to constantly be bailed out all the time, which is not a problem if you do, but the point is God can totally um, rescue you and God can totally rescue you in the quick time than what it would take process-wise for you to do it on your own. Let's put it that way. 
right? right? So, well, think about the stories, like when he got in the boat, you know, when there was a storm, he got in the boat, and then they were on the other side. Well, I think he cut out a few processes there, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he cut the storm short, and he cut the trip short. And they still had problems listening to what he had to say. <laughs> they still thought their way was better in some situations, right? Adam and Eve were perfect. Remember this? They were perfect. There was nothing wrong with them. They had no flaw. Nobody did them anything bad. Nothing. They had no offense against anyone. There was nobody to forgive. Nobody robbed them. They didn't have lack. Nothing. Nothing. They were perfect in a perfect environment talking to a perfect God every single day. And they listened to the wrong signal. So when we are trying to be good enough to hear God's voice, that's your first error. That's your first problem right there. Remember when David sinned with Bathsheba? Didn't God send a prophet to talk to him? And the prophet told him a story, and he heard it, and he understood. That's how God will do with us. He will get his message to us any way that he needs to, to get his message to us. Because he knows if we will receive his message, it could change us. When we try to stay back and be good enough and perfect and all this, and then so we can go hear God's message, let me tell you, you've already been marinating in nonsense. And that's the problem right there. Yeah. Isolating yourself from the voice of God, even if it's through his people, through his teaching, like, you know, even listening to a minister teach the word of God, even reading your Bible, even just opening your mouth and praying something, God help. Peter did help. He didn't even say Jesus help, he just said help. And God's ready right there. But it's by permission, not by force. This is the difference. The enemy is always by force. The enemy is always by coercion, manipulation, deception. Always. And he has to rewire the messages you hear from God in order to get you to comply. The Holy Spirit doesn't try to get us to comply. The Holy Spirit tells us the truth and we choose to obey or disobey. That's it. He doesn't manipulate us like, oh, let me tell you from another angle. Maybe you'll, no, if you don't get it, you don't get it. Like, it's your problem. <laughs> okay? All right, so here's, okay. So let's look at um, John 19, 25 to 37. You can write this down and then look at the whole surrounding situation. But this is where, um, Uh, John chapter 19, verse 25 to 37. So this is the whole situation where Jesus is on the cross. And um, okay, so okay, so verse um, 30. This is ridiculous, really. I have on two different con contact lens. One's supposed to help me see close, and the other one far away. 
And they are failing, is what they're doing. So I'm going to do this. Okay, so when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is, I got it now, it's focusing now. It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Therefore, because it was the preparation day that the body should, be, should not remain on the cross, on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was um, a high day, the Jews asked Pilate, blah, blah, blah. So verse 32, then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. <coughs> and he who has seen this has testified and his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look on him who they pierced. Okay? So what the soldiers saw and why they did what they did is different than what God planned and why they did what he planned for them to do. You see that? Okay, you didn't get what I said? All right. The soldiers came and saw that Jesus was dead and that's why they said they didn't break his leg. But the reason they didn't break his leg wasn't because he was dead and that's what they saw. It was because the scripture prophesied they won't break his leg. So man's side was, we didn't break his legs because he was dead already. That's man's um, witness. God's side says, I prophesied back in Isaiah, I prophesied hundreds of years ago, that they will not break, not one bone of his body would be broken. Okay? So do you see how God's word was fulfilled but it was fulfilled through unbelievers who just killed Jesus, really. And it was fulfilled because their reason was that he was already dead and there was no point in breaking his leg, his bone. So in their eyes, he didn't get his bones broken because of their decision. In God's eyes, he didn't get his bones broken because God said it wouldn't be broken. This is the main point of everything I'm about to teach. I need you to get it. Do you see what? I, do you understand what I'm saying? So God's side was already prophesied that none of his bones would be broken. Man's side was a decision in the moment based on what man was looking at and what man decided to do. Do you see? Why did it come to pass for Jesus? Because Jesus lived a life where he was obedient to God and he did nothing that he didn't see his father do. So when he is living this lifestyle, 
people that want to do something to him have to do it under the boundaries of the word of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? You will never lose anything in your life if you obey God. If you live a life of obedience to God. Not a legalistic, perfect life. It, listen to what I'm saying. A life that is obedient to God. Meaning God says, do this, and you're like, yes, sir, I'm ready. Let's go. And if it's a slow down thing, he has to tell you, wait a minute. Slow down. Okay. Do you see the difference? People complied with the word of God about Jesus without Jesus telling them what the word said about him. Everywhere he went, you'd see where it says, and the scriptures were fulfilled. Da, 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 da. You remember when he told the guy, go, there's going to be a, a pony, a brand new pony tied up. Uh, go on time and bring him. And if anybody asks, you say the master has use of it, blah, blah, blah. And they, they, that was, all these things were set up by the word of God for the man of God. And it worked for him because he followed the voice of God. And he had many voices that tried to tell him what to do. Right? But none of them could get his obedience. You have to guard your obedience to God. You have to guard your obedience to God. Doug and I, when we first got married, as we grew in our marriage and stuff, the one thing we decided that we would not do is have to give each other permission to do what God says he wants the other one to do. Like, who am I, God, to censor what God's saying to you? We have wisdom, which God may say, hey, this is what I want you to do. Go talk to your wife about it. Go talk to your husband about it. Not for permission, but for wisdom, because God probably put part of it in the other one so you could be together, like you could come up with a solution together and use your gifts and talents and all that stuff. But the first person that gets the instruction has to obey first. I don't sit around and wait for God to tell Pastor Doug something he already told me. Like he told me, I'm like, well, Lord, I pray that you tell my husband. This is how the church teach women wrong. Like seriously, why did he tell you then? God doesn't waste time. Would he waste a step by telling you? I hear all these pious, you know, especially pastors' wives. I'm just like, oh, please, get me out of here. This is like ridiculous. <laughs> you know, the Lord spoke to me three months before my husband finally got it. Well, what was wrong with your mouth? <laughs> like, why, why would God have such a gap? If whoever God tells first, he expects them to act on it. Didn't the angel go first to Zechariah about John the Baptist? And he botched it. <laughs> so then he had to go to the woman. The point was somebody needed to obey now or like receive it now and agree because we got a timeline here. <laughs> right? So that brings my next story. Um, in Luke 1, 5, around that area there, Right? So you can write that down. Luke 1, 5. 
This is the story of John the Baptist, right? But then in Isaiah 40 and verse 3, and so Isaiah 40 and verse 3 is where the prophecy was spoken about him, about John the Baptist. Okay? Also, Malachi 3.1 has a prophecy about him. So here is the side of Zechariah. Well, we're too old now. How is this going to work? <laughs> and the angel said, your mouth is going to be shut because it, it can't, it's not used for obedience to God now. It's used for questioning the ability of God. And then uh, Elizabeth got the message. All they had to do was have sex. Like, how hard is this? <laughs> I just agree that when you have sex, you're going to have a baby. I can't. An angel came to tell you tonight's the night. The baby's going to be conceived. All your part is. <laughs> Seriously. So they even a hard job. Well, no pun intended. But. <laughs> but. <laughs> My husband's been gone for a week. Okay. So the timing of this birth was absolutely necessary because Jesus was about to be conceived also. John the Baptist had to come before Jesus so he could be the forerunner like the Bible says. And thank God, Elizabeth, obey to receive the difference with their time together that night was the obedience of God's word right nothing was going to be different about their experience together except they obeyed a message from God and received it that was it and that was prophesied before it ever happened like many years ago it was prophesied at the time that we're in now as was the birth of Jesus, right? We all know the birth of Jesus. But see, if you look at man's side, you know, Mary Joseph's side, they were simply following instructions. Go to this place because they're trying to kill all the boys. Go to this place, go to that. But see, all these things were foretold before they ever went to these places. So we see patterns in the Bible where it's man's side and then there's God's side. So if Mary and Joseph had to tell you the story of Jesus' birth, it would sound like there was no room at the end. But then God already said that was going to happen. Right. Right. So even if there was room at the end, he was going to end up being born somewhere else than the end. But see, the way we live in the culture and society today in the world today we always need an explanation of why the normal thing didn't work. And we always want to put our spin on it, you know, and close the loop of why it didn't work. When we could very well, all of us have books written about us. So there are things that have to happen in our lives that we have no clue about. <laughs> But the only way to get a clue is if we listen to God and obey. Just obey. You have no idea why. And you don't have to explain yourself to anybody. Amen. <laughs> you just obey. Yes. Yeah. Like the Lord told me, do not live stream tonight. 
That's all I needed to hear. <laughs> I ain't live streaming then, thank you, Lord. Can I record my voice? Yes. Just don't live stream. All right. I don't have to know why. <laughs> I just need to know that I was obedient. I've had where the Lord told me, don't drive this way, go the other way. Okay? I go the other way. Nothing happened in the path of the other way. By the, there was no big accident, nothing major happened. I don't know why. I don't need closure to find out why. I don't need to analyze. I wonder why God would tell me. Who cares? I just needed to obey. If we don't practice that muscle of obedience between us and God, it's going to become very difficult as your life progresses to get the big instructions. Like when you're training your child in the house, if they can't obey there, then they have to obey in a prison somewhere. Or they might be six feet under obeying somebody. Do you see, you know... The Bible tells us to train up a child the way they should go so when they get old, they won't depart from God. Not culture. They won't depart from God. And so if that part's not done, then they have a rough life because now they have to be reeled back in so they could be trained. But that's the beauty of God's love and God. He could do that. He could reel you right back in and give you some training. No problem. But it takes our obedience. That's what it takes. Okay. So, um, all right. So, in Genesis chapter 3, I'm not turning these things because we've seen them before, right? Are you guys good with that? Yeah. Write it down so you can go study it. Genesis chapter 3. The devil showed Adam and Eve a side of God they never thought about. But let's go to Genesis chapter 3. We have to look at it. If you are having a hard time with uh, the life of, like the voice of God and stuff, and confusion and all this stuff, go back and read Genesis chapter 3. And look at how the enemy operated. The Lord will show you what thing the enemy is doing now in your life that mimics what he did to Adam and Eve. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, if we go to Genesis 3. All right. So verse 1, it says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord had made. So Adam and Eve, so let's put a little note here, um, agree with God, right? The things that they agree with God on. Like them and God thought the same way about the thing, the serpent. God didn't think differently about the serpent. Like, God didn't think the serpent was stupid or ugly. He thought the serpent was the same way he looked to Adam and Eve. Right? So they saw the serpent the same. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. So there's no difference between God and Adam and Eve on 
what the serpent looked like or what their position was in the um, garden, right? So, uh, then one day, the, uh, he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? So look at his question. Right? Do you see the path to separation? That quick. They agreed with God on what the animal was. But the question the animal would ask man was not something God would agree with the animal doing. The animal was not created to question God or man. It was created to be dominated by the man. Never answer the enemy for something he isn't qualified to hear the answer to. Never answer the enemy for something he isn't qualified to hear the answer to. Because he will take your answer and ruin your life. Okay? So, the separation occurred when the serpent, who both sides agreed, looked the way God created them to look. But the separation came at their function. So the animal broke protocol. That's another way we put it here. The animal broke protocol. Does everybody understand when I say protocol? It's the order of of a thing. So like, remember when Esther was going before the king? And she said, well, he hasn't summoned me. I can't go. She would have been breaking protocol. But in this case, she had to listen to God above that protocol. Right? In this case, both Adam and Eve were breaking protocol with the serpent by having a conversation with the serpent. It wasn't an instruction from God to question God. You see? So... They were engaging in a function with one of the animals that God didn't give the function of that animal to. They were quite, the animal was questioning man on what God gave him. Did you catch that? The animal was questioning Eve about God's gifts to her and Adam. Wouldn't you say it was a gift, the whole Garden of Eden? Because they didn't pay for it. It was a complete gift. And this serpent, who was created by God for them to dominate, questioned the motive of God and what he said. 
When you start questioning God, it's not coming from the word of God. It's coming from the enemy of God. Now, it's a different question that Mary asked than Zechariah asked. Right? Mary was like, how will this be? Since I don't know a man. It wasn't like, how could this be? Are you sure? <laughs> Zechariah was more like, are you sure about that? That doesn't sound right. I'm old. You see the difference? And then Gabriel had the authority. See, Gabriel would never operate outside of the authority either of God. But he had the authority to say, I come from the presence of God and this is your response? Boom, you're not going to talk till the baby's born. You understand what I'm saying? So the protocol was properly followed for the message delivery. But the person who had to receive it was about to block it. And so God went to the next person. Don't not do something God wants you to do because you're married or you're a child or a parent relationship, whatever, and the, somebody won't allow you to do it. That's crazy. That's ungodly. It's wicked. It's devilish. Nobody owns you. If you could understand this, it will solve so many problems in the world. Oh my gosh. <sighs> Nobody owns you. So your decisions should be your decisions and stop blaming everybody else. Ah! What did Adam and Eve do after they sinned and were robbed? They start blaming. The three people present. When sin happens, everybody gets a blame. They start blaming each other. Whether internally or externally, blame gets passed around. It's like, it was because of her. It was because of him. It was because of them. <laughs> three people. Well, who else are we going to blame here? <laughs> they couldn't go, well, it's because of you, God. <laughs> but that's who the devil blamed that God was withholding something from them, right? You see? Um, and she even added, you know, she said, you must not eat of it or even touch it. She added to what God said. There was no explanation she needed to give the serpent. She should have said, you know what, go walk over there under the shade tree that you normally hang out under. This, is, this business is between me and God. It's not rude to say that. It's rude to disobey God. Yeah. It's unloving to disobey God. I think we get this messed up sometimes. Yeah. And the world tells us, Satan tells us that we're not walking in love if we rebuke sin. Mm. Satan tells us we're not walking in love. First of all, he has no concept of what love is. He's never felt love. He has no love because perfect love casts out fear. He is fear. Love always casts him out. He could never experience love. He's ne never there long enough. When love comes, he's gone. He's never in the presence of love long enough to feel love. He can only see the results of it. 
And this is why he would condemn man, because he should be condemned. So how is it that you feel so good about yourself when I don't? So every evil feeling you feel about yourself is what the enemy's signal is sending to you. And you have to decide if you're going to tune into that channel. Or God knows I don't. <laughs> I had many opportunities to do that my entire life. I was telling Gabriel some of my life stories, like just because of all the stuff that's happening in the world. I never sat down and told my kids, oh, this happened to me when I grew up. It's just not so. We don't have these conversations. It's ridiculous, first of all. So while these things are happening, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember when I was in this school. And, that, and Gabe's like, Mom, honestly, I'm not joking when I say this. You should really write a story about your life. It would be like a bestseller. I'm like, Gabe, she, he goes, no, for real. I'm not even joking. Like, that's the book you need to write. Because, like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm like, you know, you do have a point there. But, frankly, like, to what end? Well, but it will help people. Oh, okay. <laughs> but my point is, when you don't wear it, nobody's going to pick it up. You're carrying around the signal. And so I, I made a statement earlier before we even started, and I said, offense hinders the plan of God for your life. Yeah. Offense hinders the plan of God for your life. Now watch this. You remember how he, the serpent told um, Eve, did God say that you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Like, I just had an apple from that tree over there. Yeah, I can eat from any of the trees. This one, see how she gave up information without him actually asking? This is why you never have a conversation with the devil. He doesn't know what you're thinking till you gush it out of your mouth. He has no idea what you're thinking. But he has to beat around the bush to get you to finally reveal what the, the topic he wants to pounce on you with. So he was sowing, he was sowing offense against God in her heart. Because he was convincing her God kept something from her. Of which she already knew. And agreed to. How do we know she agreed to it? Because they have been doing what God said so far. They didn't eat of the tree. They tended to the garden. Free and clear. And in order for the enemy to cause her to stop obeying God's instruction, he had to get her offended. But here is the difference between Satan and God. God will get angry. God will get jealous. But he'll never get offended. 
because offense breeds strife. And ladies and gentlemen, we have live television today on any news channel or reality show or Facebook iPhone video recording to graphically explain this entire process I have just explained to you. Okay? <laughs> offense breeds strife. And strife now, this is key. Strife is the door for every evil work. Where there is strife, there is every evil work. Who could look that up for me? Can you search out that scripture where there's strife, there's every evil work? Can you look it up for me on your phone or something? Like maybe search every evil or even Google it or something, it'll tell you. But where there's a, a strife, there is every evil work, which means no evil work is off the table. That means every demon, every evil spirit has access to do what they want to do in that atmosphere. James 3.16. James 3.16. Where there is strife, there is every, every, emphasize on the word every, evil work. And we see it live on Prime Time. I just want to talk about word. So, in your homes, you have to make sure strife does not occur, and strife occurs when there's offense against God. And offense against God will come in when somebody disobeys God. Now, what if you're not disobeying, but the other person is? Well, your obedience should bring results that God would rescue you from the hand of the deceiver. I.e., for example, the story of Abigail and Nabal. Remember how she set things right from her foolish husband, the Bible called him a foolish man, Nabal, and he was breaking protocol with the king. He was actually mocking and saying, well, who made you king? All these young little fellows are coming up today saying they're king and saying they have some position. He did not acknowledge, recognize, or respect the anointing of God on David as king. And he disrespected him. And David's response to that, which was not out of protocol, by the way, his response to that was in line with his authority and his position to say, I will kill every person in your house. You will have nobody left in your line. And Abigail stepped in, changed the whole atmosphere of her house. What do you say? I didn't hear what you said. 
So Abigail came in and changed the entire atmosphere of her home by her actions, which she didn't go have a little conference call with him about. This is the other problem. Like, what is this? <laughs> There's wisdom where you, you know, if you're going to go buy some mansion somewhere and spend all the family money, it would be nice to <laughs> have a little com conversation. <laughs> but um, when you're correcting a wrong, you don't go discuss it with the fool. I mean, in common sense, you know, you have to be a Christian for that to be normal. Because the fool doesn't understand what's going on. So you don't discuss things of wisdom with the fool. Now, how do you know somebody's a fool? They refuse to listen to wisdom, to the wisdom of God, to the word. They refuse to listen to it. That is a fool. God himself calls them a fool. I refuse to have debates and conversations with fools. I just refuse to have it. I just state my point and move on. You take my answer or don't. I don't care. I don't have to prove nothing to you. I won't stay long enough in a conversation to be offended. That's stupid. Because if you stay long enough in a place and somebody keeps hitting you, you're going to get hurt. I don't care how strong you are, you're gonna get hurt. You're gonna get tired, you're gonna get weary, and you're just gonna get ticked off. <laughs> so you just move away from the situation or send them away from the situation. Either way, somebody's gotta move. The example of that is what Abraham did with Lot. Remember? Strife came into the family circle, and Abraham said, oh, can't have this. We're going to make a shift right here. Change. You and I are going to go in two different directions. You choose first. That proved no offense in Abraham. You choose first. Another proof of no offense in Abraham, he went and rescued him when he chose the wrong thing. <laughs> when he's living the life of compromise. Who throws their daughters out? virgins to a bunch of gay men who are lusting after angels. Like, what kind of messed up mind is that? <laughs> like, for real. Threw his virgin's da virgin daughters out into the middle of the, of the city square to be raped all night long by these vicious animals. But this is what happens to the messed up mind. He was in that atmosphere. Get yourself away from atmospheres of gay, lesbian, queer, whatever nonsense they call themselves. You say, that's evil. It's evil. Don't be like, well, I love on them so they will love Jesus. No, they know. They, they, here's the Bible. We all read it and believe it. It's a choice they have to make. You are not going to persuade them. That is your, now you're getting on your flesh to do the work of the Spirit of God. I was just watching this prophecy today. I posted on Facebook. If you're my friend on Facebook, you'll see it. Um, uh, Sid Roth had on um, a bunch of prophets. 
And one of them was indicating, and this was recent, like June 15th is the date. One of them was indicating that this time right now, what's about to happen is God separating the anointed church from the not anointed church. And that's what's shaking up, about shaking up going on right now. So if you can't operate the anointing, <laughs> you're going to be carrying on some other show over there of which God will depart from. He has been, you remember in the book of Revelation, he said, how long will I strive? Well, in the way he's talking about how long man will live, he said, how long will I strive with man's spirit? But in the book of Revelation, he was saying to the churches, if you don't correct these things, your candlestick's about to go out. And so our God is long-suffering. So the holiness of God, the fear of God, is of critical importance right now. And it is, it is each of our responsibility to obey every little request, every little instruction personally. So when we come here, when you go to your church and you are in corporate setting, it is not difficult for you to obey the Holy Spirit moving, saying, I want you as a group to do this now. It will be normal because you've been doing it already. <laughs> it's one thing to be new as a new believer and to not know what that means to have. But if you're a new believer, like a child, they will, they will watch what's happening around them and do the same thing. Well, voila. You know the people who don't do that are the religious people who don't listen to God on their own, think church needs to be a certain way. This needs to happen and that needs to happen. So when anything out of the ordinary happens, <gasps> I don't know if it's God. I have to wait and see. Wait for who to tell you what? <laughs> you need to have a connection to God that you know that does not sit well with me. Alarm bells are going off. That happens to me in my school. You know, I have my professor and I'm taking two classes before me I take one. But yes, who are for me? So one of my classes, I'm literally doing these papers while I'm answering calls from Diana, talking to Josiah about a question, and I never go back and read them. I just do them. So he graded me kind of steep. I'm like, you know, and I'm reading through it, and I go, well, yeah, you're right. <laughs> but here's the thing. When he graded me, I didn't go like, I can't believe it. Alarms didn't go off, right? But same scenario, another professor, right in the beginning, graded me harshly, and immediately, boom, something in me went, that was not right. I'm thinking, huh. Because you know your first assignment is kind of iffy. You want to see what the professor likes and what they don't like, how it's nonsense. So this is one of those situations. And I'm thinking, something is wrong with this situation. Like, it's just like, ugh. And so I tried to communicate, and they kept saying the same thing, like just saying what was wrong. What they were saying was a lie. So I escalated up to their boss's boss, because I didn't know how to get a hold of anybody else. So 
So I had this one hour and a half conversation. I'm like, you know, I don't have an hour and a half to give you for this problem. Solve it. So the dean in charge of this professor is like, well, what do you, what's the bottom line? Here's the bottom line. This is ethics. You think I want to make less than an A in ethics? First of all, you shouldn't even be having this class. Because it's what's in a person. Like, you're going to tell them do this and do that. that. That's not ethics. Ethics is what you believe. So they have to go to church to learn this, this stuff, not in some college course. Well, this is ridiculous. It's a waste of my time. I'm like, I'm paying out of pocket for this, so it's a personal issue to me that this professor, and I said, this professor, something's wrong with him. I said, I, I said he, 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 the way he speaks. So then at the end of the semester, is revealed to me. An abuser will always tell you sorry and then tell you why you were wrong. So this is the beginning of the class, and I'm like, something is wrong with this man. <laughs> and at the end of the class, of course I got an A. The professor's like, well, what are you expecting? I said, I expect an A, and I expect you guys to figure out what's going on with this man, because something right. I said, he is grading off the rubric. You can't grade me for something that's not listed. That's ridiculous. And I wonder who else he's doing it to and how long he's been doing it, because that's my problem with this. So at the end of the class, he sends me uh, a comment on my final thing and says, I'm sorry if I spoke harshly to you in any, by the way, he even called me on the phone. And when he was talking to me on the phone, it sent up more alarms. That's why I wanted to make sure I speak to the bigger, bigger people. Because I said, wait a minute, this guy, something is off. I'm just telling you. So he says, so I'm sorry for doing this. I ask your forgiveness, right? And then he writes this entire, which I thought, at first I thought it was my discussion board that he just happened to list and was giving me comments on it like a teacher would, right? And I'm re and he said, because, you know, and then he goes, God expects us to forgive. And goes into this long drawn out process of, of why I'm obligated to forgive. And I'm thinking to myself, well, my God, we're dealing with an abuser. That's why all my spidey senses were going off in our first encounter. But, so I made sure, you know, that information was passed on. Whether or not they listened to it is up to them. But I've done what I needed to do. And not just deal with it personally, because I could take it on. It's no big deal. Me and God, we can take it on. But the point is, that's not why God would point it out to me like that. It's for more people to benefit from the solution. You see? We have to stop just looking at our situation and say, well, as long as I can get through this, you know, I don't care what he does to everybody else. Well, I care. I care, because God cares. God actually cares what happened to other people. You know what I'm saying? He cares. He actually cares. This is why God speaks to other people about us. So they could care for us when we're being doof, goofballs. Yeah. God could actually wake somebody up in the middle of the night and say, can you pray, pray for this person? Like seriously, they're about to jump off the cliff and they just need to get a clue. And that's when having the language of Holy Spirit is what you need to do because you don't know what you're praying for. So because you don't know, you say, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to pray for. Okay, God bless them. And then you go back to sleep. No. You pray in tongues until the Holy Spirit says, okay, I have the information. I have what I need to perform what I have to do. 
God will do nothing on the earth until first he reveals it to his prophet. But the reason for revealing it to a prophet, you ever been around prophet? They talk a lot. The prophets will speak the words that have to be spoken on earth for anything to be done on earth. Nothing could be done on the earth unless words build it. Nothing could be done in your life unless words build it. Why do you think Goliath talked for 40 days? If he was that big and bad, couldn't they just have a fight and get it over with? <laughs> the point that he had to yap on for 40 days and 40 nights is a clue <laughs> that he's not stronger than you. He's just trying to weaken you. To cut, you know, like in a steak, you got a big steak on a plate. You're not going to stuff the whole thing in your mouth. I mean, I need to be the person that could possibly do that. But the point is, you're cutting it up into little pieces so you can eat it. It took Goliath 40 days to cut them down to size to even try to respond to David when he spoke to him. And David took one swipe at the giant and said, You are an uncircumcised Philistine. You have to tell the devil who he is. Whoever he decides to show up through is who you tell because they're the messenger. So Jesus told Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. You remember when, when Peter was telling Jesus, oh, no, 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 you don't have to go to the cross. No, we will make sure it doesn't happen. Get thee behind me, Satan. He called the Pharisees, you whitewashed tombstone. You grew the vipers. Jesus spoke the words to them. When the people were manifesting demons, he told them to shut up, even though it was the demons speaking, but he told the person, shut up. I don't know where it got twisted that when we demonstrate this type of authority as a Christian, the Christians ridicule you of not loving and not walking in love. And, of course, that gives permission to the world to say that to you. But if you're a person that does not accept it, then it will never be planted in you to feel that way. I feel no guilt for whatever the heck's going on right now. I'm sorry. We all got a Bible. Read it and work your faith. Nobody owes me nothing. Because I don't put my trust in man I'm hooked up to the creator who made me. And he's the one that gives me recompense. He's the one that makes me the head and not the tail. That's who he is. I'm studying HR and marketing. This is what I'm thinking together. The HR thing, I'm looking at all these laws that were passed about you know, human resources. 11 different laws. I read this and I went, hey, Doug, guess what? You are the least protected person in the workplace today. <laughs> I said, wow, but you wouldn't know that. <laughs> You'd think they have the most privilege in the workplace today. Uh-huh. I thought, my gosh, how silly. I feel how, I don't, I have no interest in somebody hiring me because of my gender and my race. That's ridiculous. 
They need to hire me because of who God made me, the gift of God in me, the wisdom of God in me. That's what happened with Joseph. They recognized that he, his God could answer the questions none of them witches and sorcerers could answer. That's who we have to be in the world system. Joseph was in the world system. And they recognized this. I actually had somebody say to me, oh, when I was in a secular workplace, they would say, wow, it's a good thing you're a woman of color that they would hire you. I said, you know what? I also have a master's degree in business. Thank you. And I have experience in leading people like you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Do you see how the devil makes you degrade yourself? Tells you that's how you can get promoted. How silly. <laughs> the same company, right? They had a position coming open which I was only there like two months or three months and I applied for it. It was a project, it was basically the position that was above me. And I realized the dude that's above me, I mean, he, I'm telling him what to do, like he has no clue. That position that's open, it's, it's a no brainer. Like I could sleep and do the work, it's nothing. So I applied for it, I interviewed for it, and they liked me and everything else, so they were gonna offer me that. So you know what they were gonna pay me? They were gonna pay me $55 more a week to travel three times as much as I was doing now and have like five other clients or something like, you know, like all this workload. I looked at them, I said, I'm sorry. So I'm negotiating through my boss, right? Who's, who is a woman, then her boss is a guy. So I'm negotiating through her and then her through him and then him to the, to the other dude. So I'm saying to her, I'm sorry, but I, I refuse to accept this salary. This is ridiculous. Like, seriously? You want me to do all this work for 55 bucks more? I don't think so. And she's like, well, that's a substantial raise for who? <laughs> I'm like, are you telling me? And, and then I started analyzing where I was. All these people in my position, right? It, doing the same, I actually was doing a higher level than they were because I had a brand new client doing a brand new thing the company's ever done. That was my client, right? They have had their clients and they're working with their clients for 20 some years. All these women never got a promotion. And I realized they're all probably getting paid the same thing I'm getting paid. I just walked in the door. And the, the lady boss is thinking this is fine. It took her close to 30 years to finally be the boss. I'm thinking to myself, well, this is a den of thieves if I've ever seen one. <laughs> so, so, there, so I said, listen to me, this is not gonna work for me. Cause then the boss is saying, oh, that's, I wouldn't even wanna offer to tell them your counter. I said, excuse me, do you have a problem with me negotiating my own salary? If you do, I'd like to directly speak to them, thank you. And so I think I got to speak to them directly, but finally I looked at them and I said, I'm sorry, this is not the company I wanna work for. Because looking at what I'm looking at, it ain't gonna work for me, goodbye. Here's my two weeks notice. So they then hired me, because when you do something like they're like, well, what are you gonna do? You know what, I think I'm gonna be a consultant. I'm gonna consult, because <laughs> I've always wanted to consult. I just didn't know what to do and how to do it. So they, so they were like, so I gave them two weeks, but the things that I set up in that company were so advanced that they didn't even know how to keep up. Like they couldn't do it themselves. They had nobody in the company to pick up where I left off. Okay, 
So they called me in to ask me if I would stay an extra two weeks so that I would be, give them a month to train somebody to do what I did. I said, okay, well, you pay me as a consultant then for the next two weeks, because two weeks notice, here's your two weeks notice, I'm gracious. So for the next two weeks after that, you'll pay me my cons consultant fee, which I quadrupled pretty much. <laughs> Here, that's my fee, of which they had to pay it. Because number one, I realized a lot of the men were being paid that. And number two, I'm a consultant now, pay me, because I have to pay taxes on everything else. And they didn't even blink to do it, but they blinked to give me a raise because they were conditioned to only go so far. When I was being evaluated in the same company, after your three-month evaluation, right, my boss evaluated me, this woman, the, 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 the manager of the facility, who is the boss of everybody there, called her in when he's giving me my evaluation, because that determines your raise, right? And he said, is this, the, is this what you're giving her as a you know, recommendation? She said, well, that's the highest I can give to an employee that's new. He said, what? She said, yeah, because she's only been here three months, according to the charting records they have to go by, nobody is supposed to know these things that go above a seven to a 10. Like nobody can do that in three months. So that's all she's allowed to get, she's capped. He said, but she's done more than all these things. Like, I'm, I'm calling to ask you if there's not a higher chart we can go off of. She goes, no, it's never been done. And he looked at me and said, well, now it is. So he gave me a higher raise than what I would have gotten. And maybe that's why only $55 is all I could get because that was for another division. That was under another boss, you know what I'm saying? But the point is, when you go in on the authority of God, men will have to change for you. You won't have to change for men. And men meaning mankind all together. But see, if you have a pattern of being disobedient to God, then you have no ground to stand on. Because you're working in Satan's system. You see? So when you're working in God's system, you have ground to stand on. That will back you up. So I would pray before I enter the door of my, of my workplace. I would pray. Boom, I set my, my feet in the parking lot. I'd say, there is no question that comes across my desk today that I don't have the answer to. I operate by the wisdom of God. I can answer any question that comes to me. And I'm telling you, I would solve problems from engineering, technical engineering. I would solve their problems. Just from here and being on a conference call. At every conference call I was on, I was always the lowest position. And my job was just to listen take notes, and then translate it over to the client, and then they would be all talking, oh my God. Well, wait, and I said, hold it. I'm an outsider, I don't think I can engineer. Obviously you're having political differences. Here's your problem. <laughs> they would be like, well, I said, have you tried it? No, well, I would suggest somebody try it, because this is my client, you're wasting my time. And you know, they would try my suggestion, it would solve it just like that. So after I do that a couple times, of course they realize, okay, let's just listen. Fiona, what do you have to say? Okay, let's hear the problem. And then they realized I was a preacher's wife and they couldn't believe that. Oh my gosh. 
That was shocking. I think that was more shocking than the fact that I can answer questions. But to see how low the enemy has set us up as Christians, that we are the silliest, the poorest, the stupidest, the outcast, when in fact he is all those things. So we don't accept anything that the enemy has to offer because God has a better offer. Every single, without a doubt. Do you ever see those court cases where they're trying to um, meet a plea, plea bargain? Whoever initiates a plea bargain is generally the one who thinks they're going to lose. Right? Mm-hmm. Where they don't want to go through with the whole trial because if they go in front of the you know, jury or whoever, the judge, they know they're going to lose because they don't have any evidence to back up what they're saying. Well, when the enemy starts accusing you of stuff, he's about to lose something from your life that he has a hold on and he doesn't want to lose. So he's trying to make a plea bargain with you. If you would do, just take this. Why don't you just take it and be calm about it? Just take it and be calm. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was telling Gabriel about when I was in Guyana and I was, um, I don't know, I was 15 or something. I was coming home from secretary, secretary class. Oh, that's a joke. That's another joke. <sighs> so I'm coming home from secretary class where you learn shorthand. And you do the, this manual typewriter, yes, and English, because you're going to make somebody a good secretary someday. And so <laughs> I was like, I'm just here to type fast. Just let's get this over it. So I'm, I'm downtown, and in Guyana, they have the, um, the, the Georgetown, the main town, and they have the street vendors, right? So it was my mom and dad's anniversary, and so I have my briefcase. Yeah, you have to have a special type of briefcase. So I have this briefcase, and I'm walking down, and I open the briefcase like this to go pay the vendor that I'm buying this thing from. And then I feel this thing in my back, right? And so I feel this thing in my back, and this guy is behind me, and he says to me, give me all your money, or I'm gonna, I don't know if he's gonna shoot me or cut me with a knife or what he was thinking he was gonna do. So mind you, I got the bag open, all my money's in there. Like, you could see all this money. I said, you want to do what? <laughs> Just like that. You want to do what? <laughs> he goes running. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> and this is before I knew everything I knew about God. And all. I just knew that there's no way I could know God and somebody could do this to me. Like that's just always been my thought. And I didn't even know much. I just knew God is God. Like, who else? It just, so everybody was like, oh my God. I'm like, here's your money. Here's my thing, thank you. <laughs> but the thing is, you, you have to catch the enemy by surprise. Don't let him catch you by surprise. When, when we went to martial arts at first, you know, number one um, self-defense thing was surprise the enemy. That was the number one martial arts self-defense tool. Do something that we expect you to do. I'm like, hey, I'm way ahead of the game. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you want to do what? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) 
Okay, all of this is leading up to one thing. One main thing I want you to go with. Um, the point is this. You have to believe that God can do the impossible. Okay? But here's what the impossible looks like. The impossible is something you don't know exists to ask for to solve a problem. That's impossible for you because you don't even know of its existence. So it would require only God to pull those things together to give a solution. But if you believe God for the impossible in a way where you're waiting for him to tell you how to do it, then you're not believing for the impossible. You're asking God to help you do something you already kind of know how to do, but you're just missing a few ingredients. So you haven't touched impossible yet. Should I say it again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. When, okay, the, the stories I have for this, but you guys just find them. I mean, you know where it is in the Bible. Everybody good with this? Where Mary says, what's impossible, you know, for with God all things are possible. We have Hebrew eleven six, Matthew 19, 26, or 25, um, Luke 18.27 and Zechariah 8.8, 8, I think. Just look at Zechariah 8. When you see the word impossible, just read around it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now. <laughs> okay, now Hebrews 11.6, which is one you know, right? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Okay. Now, you will never be able to create your own faith. You will never be able to create your own faith. You can grow your faith, you can build your faith, you can use your faith, but you cannot create your own faith. It is impossible for you to create your own faith. Yet without that faith, it's impossible to please God. But to each of us has been given a measure of faith. So we each person, each person born to the earth has a measure of faith to be able to believe that God is to receive salvation, okay? Nobody has an advantage over another person. We all have been given a measure of faith. What we do with it is up to us. What we teach our children to do with it is up to us. The children of Israel 
taught their children that God saw them, the, the mama and papas, as grasshoppers. Somewhere, the kids have to get a different teaching to be able to take the promised land. Because grasshoppers were not, didn't have the faith to take the promised land. Complainers don't have the faith to take anything. Now, okay. So, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith comes how? By hearing, and hearing what? The word of God. So do you see how it is impossible for you to create your own faith? Because you can't make up God's words that bring faith. Only God could have the words that bring faith. So you have to rely on God's words to create the impossible, turn it into possible to please him. So there is one impossibility that you can't create. You have to have hands off and mouth open. Okay? This is how you do the impossible. Hands off and mouth open. But the mouth open has to say signals that comes from God, not from the enemy. Do you see? Yes. So God's word gives you faith to cause you to please him. So here is one impossible thing that could be turned to a possible in your life like that. Mary did this. God, which would be impossible without his word. So when God is saying something to us that's bigger than we could even imagine, we haven't even thought about it yet, we didn't even know it was possible, our answer should be Mary's. According to your word, so be it. It's permission that's necessary here. You are not, Mary didn't go try to figure out how she's going to get the Holy Spirit seed in her body. She didn't go see the doctor. <laughs> I say, you know what? we got to do some insemination here. <laughs> I was told by God that I'm supposed to have a child without knowing a man. She didn't do that, did she? She said, according to your, it was, it was in the privacy of her personal life. It was in the privacy of her personal life that she gave God permission to utilize her body, her womb, for something that he wanted on this earth. How has the enemy twisted that now? It's between a girl and her doctor to kill a baby in the womb and not even tell the parents about it. You see how the enemy twists everything? He wants to be hailed like God and have permission granted without any advice. Only God can hold that position. Because his word's already been tried by fire seven times. And it's worked. So it doesn't have to be tried by anybody. It's already worked. It just has to be utilized. It has to be received and followed through with. 
And the mouth is how you receive the impossible from God. It's not with this, trying to work it. It's with the mouth. And it's permission granted. Do your thing. You know how many things have happened in my life that I could have never even asked for because I didn't know it existed? I didn't even know it was an option. We had, in the month of May, I was praying, I prayed over the orphanage and stuff, and one of the thoughts that came to me, I always pray in tongues, so half the time I don't know what I'm praying. But sometimes I'll know, like I'll get a knowing, right? And, or, so I said, oh, what I would like to happen is, I'd like to see that we pretty much get the kids fed from outside so our staff doesn't have to cook every meal. Uh, but I don't want a whole bunch of different people to show up twice a day for that contamination to be going in and out, in and out, you know, with the kids. This was in the month of May. Well, like the next day, my cousin's telling, though, I see a video of a man, somebody sent me a video in the inbox of a man that's at the orphanage showing everything and he's giving food and he's telling everybody about orphanage. And I'm like, oh. So then my cousin calls and says, oh, Brian Marks. He has come and said he wants to feed the kids lunch and dinner every day for the month of May. And he has, he has six cooks that he's hired. And they get donations from people all over. And they buy the stuff and cook it. So it's one group of people cooking. And they feed the homeless and stuff in all the communities. And they choose places that and they want to... I didn't even know that guy to ask. So here, so I'm looking him up because I'm thinking, who is this dude? Like, I don't know who he is. That's great and all, but we want to make sure, like, you know what I'm saying? I'm not settling here. So <laughs> I look him up on Facebook, and he has two mutual friends that I know. So I, I inboxed one of them. It's a pastor from New York. And I said, hey, I know that you're friends with this guy on Facebook. Do you know him? Do you know anything about him? Like, he wants to feed the kids, you know, for a month. I want to make sure it's up and up. He goes, oh, my gosh. I've been praying that he would get connected to the orphanage. And I've been trying, I was gonna see if there if I needed to tell him about you guys so he can go visit. I'm so glad to see that it happened. Yes! He is totally I went, well, looky there. <laughs> well, looky there. Do you see what I'm saying? So be since he's been there, you know how many uh, people have sent money. They've called to donate food. Oh, it's because he is broadcasting it and he has like thousands of people that watch his stuff. And it was election time and he's showing all the election stuff. So people are talking to him and he's talking up the home. And then the back of the home, there's a trench that the government's responsible for, but they haven't dug it in three years. I look the next thing he's doing the video. The guys are out here and they're clearing away the drudge so the kids will have a nice clean space in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> he's going. And see this fence, guys? Somebody, some of you businessmen, you need to call me up. We need to fix this fence for these kids. Which is another thing on my project list, by the way. Oh, yeah. And then he's going around the house and he says, how much do you guys pay for electricity? That's too much. We need to get you guys in solar power. That's the next thing on my list. You see, what I'm saying is I just say what I want to see change. And the way God does it is beyond what I even know exists. So I don't pray, oh Lord, send a certain person. That's manipulation. That's witchcraft. I don't pull people into my problem solving. I pull God into it. 
Because I don't know if that person knows how to listen to God. I pulled God into the problem solving. And he sends out the signal to whoever will be. And you know what the thing is? This man is not saved. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you see? Who are you? But he keeps coming back. His assignment's done with us. But he keeps coming back. But his heart is to help people. God just needs somebody that would do what he would like to happen to mankind. You know what I'm saying? We get this lofty idea. Well, and you know how many Christians don't listen to God but a sinner would? I'd love for somebody to do research on that. There's so many Christians that don't listen to God. They've hardened their heart to him, but a sinner would. A sinner shows more respect to things of God than a Christian would because Christians have become so familiar with it. And the only thing this man doesn't know is that he just needs to go through Jesus to get to God, not to do good works. That's, about, that's the switch. That's the, all the switch that has to go on there. He's not against God or anything. He just doesn't know. So I had a conversation with him. I'm warming up to have a conversation. You know, I want to. Because my goal, my conversation with this man was about this man needs to get saved. I had no thoughts about, I wonder what he could do for the home. That's God's business. My business that God gave me to do is to tell the world go into all the world, right? Preach the gospel, make disciples. That's the first business. The man must be saved. So that's, the, that's what I want out of it. But God's doing all. So then he brought in these um, very wealthy um, people the one day to show them around and show them the fence. And told him his idea for our his plan for our electricity, <laughs> and even introduced to them the concept of getting a solar freezer and refrigerators, of which I didn't even know existed. I didn't even know they existed to ask for them. And I thought, oh, that's a great idea. So it's new technology apparently over there. So in the meantime, though, what somebody did was we got a new freezer. A new refrigerator. No, we got a new refrigerator, not a new freezer yet. We'll probably get, they probably got thin. I don't know about it yet. Uh, two new commercial washers, which is like gold for 28 children laundry. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, do you, know, you see, I just stay here and pray. Here I was. I couldn't go there this year at all, but I pray. And God sends the people. He, so, so I don't pray, oh Lord, speak to the Christians. Uh-uh. I pray, God, I'm telling you about this. You see, we can lock ourselves down by telling God what market we want to pull from. I don't give God boundaries. <laughs> Let's, let me put it that way. If you want the impossible to happen in your life, you have to remove the boundaries from God. Put the boundaries on, on the enemy. Put the boundaries on the enemy. 
remove the boundaries from God. So don't bring to God your bank statement, your family class, you know, all the sins you committed in the past, all whatever sin you think you're committing now, how many times you failed because the faith didn't work. All, don't bring God that. And put, those are all boundaries you're giving him of why things, why you don't qualify to have the impossible happen for you. I refuse to give God boundaries. I give God big things I would like to see happen. That's what I say. Why can't this happen? Like, why couldn't we have this? You see the difference? Our children at the orphanage have seen more miracles than a lot of the kids in Guyana would ever dream of. I mean, they actually choose their own clothes of what they like. They have their own style. And I love it. And people expect us to, like, make them take what they're given. Why? Because they're poor and they just have to accept it? No. This is where they develop their identity. So if I teach them, you better take what you get, what, what's that telling them, huh? That's gonna translate to relationships. It's gonna translate to jobs. It's gonna translate to everything in their life. You just have to take what you get because you're an orphan. So when the staff gets a little bit like, you know, well, they should just be grateful. I said, really? They should just be grateful, just because you want to throw them this. And you don't want to take the time to hear what their style is. You just want to like get it over. No, no. That's not how I do for my kids, and it's not how I'm going to do for them. Because there's an option. Like, they actually have choices. I'm totally against uniforms, by the way, for that same reason. But, like, everybody has to dress the same way. Like, in what planet? Like, where is that in heaven? We all have a white girl, but it's, it's, it's elaborated with who we are, like what we've done, our rewards and everything. But <laughs> Satan's system is always so he can control you. He cannot control you if, if he can't tell you to go stand in that corner and stay in that box. Remember, he's not omnipresent. You could leave the box when the demon's gone. If you're too scared to, you know, tell him to shut up, well, just leave the box when he's gone because he's not omnipresent. Right? The Holy Spirit is. God's omnipresent. The devil is not. If he's chasing you down, then that means everybody else is having a good old time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but he has evil spirits that do his bidding. All right? We get that. But you have authority over these things. As I'm talking to you, if you are editing my words to fit your life, that's your first step of disobedience. If I'm saying words and you're saying, yeah, but, those are disobedient answers. Yeah, but is the beginning of disobedience. Think about your own children. You're telling them, hey, I love you. Yeah, but. Really? Really? Yeah, you won't take that, but we want God to take it. Never see yourself 
in comparison to somebody else. This is something we all have to train ourselves to do. Because we're trying to find a baseline. You know what I'm saying? Like, even if we say, if that person could do it, then for sure I could do it. Well, that's still a baseline. What if they're doing the minimum of what God expected humans to do? Then your standard is the minimum? <laughs> find your baseline in the word of God. Find it there. Find it with the girl who got pregnant without, without knowing a man. Find it in the old lady who got pregnant so that she could bring, you know what I'm saying? Find it, find it with Jesus walking on water. Find, find the multiply. Those are baselines from God's kingdom. And I said something to the, uh, the worship team. Sunday was, was it Sunday? I think so. Yeah, it was Sunday. Yeah. The devil, any statistic that you agree with from the world, so listen to what I'm saying. Any statistic that you agree with from the world system has put you in jeopardy of failing. Because only God's system has a hundred percent win. The devil's system has qualifications for winning. And he gives priority to his people. So when you are hearing the statistic of the world, like, like the doctor diagnosed you with something, and then they say 25% of people make it out of it, 75% don't. And you're contemplating the information as if that's gonna give you some decision yourself. You start making decisions based on that information. You have put yourself in the system of Satan. The same sickness he's talking about if you go to the Bible, there was a 100% cure for the same thing. And those cures happened on earth, not in heaven, by the way. That's another thing people forget. The stories in the Bible happened on the earth. Right. The, all the healings and stuff, it was here on earth. It happened at the hands of Jesus as a man, but also... It happened at the hands of men that were operating through the power of the Holy Ghost. A hundred percent, a hundred percent success. As soon as we start leaning an ear to making decisions based on the statistic of the enemy, we are now putting ourselves in that that uh, that um, gambling. It's a gamble. It's like the lottery. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Because you could either be 125 or 125. We just don't know. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> I know. 100% over here. <laughs> Two options over here. Like, oh. You see? Yeah. Now, here's the thing. If you're looking at, I'm saying these words, and you're saying, yeah, that's good for you, Pastor Fiona, because you've been in this around. I've been doing this since I was a kid. Nobody could tell me no. Like, nobody could tell me it couldn't be done. Nobody could tell me my dreams are too big. Nobody could, I just wouldn't listen to them. I'm like, well, that's your problem. <laughs> I would never argue with them about it. I just said, okay. But I'm going to be this, and I'm going to do that. 
before I knew any of the stuff I know today. I grew up in an environment where they think if God wants to, he will. We just never know. Because somehow God's abusive. That's an abuser, isn't it? Yes. When you go home to an abuser, you just never know what mood they're going to be in. And the church is teaching Christians that that's how God is. And if you don't accept that about God, then something's wrong. Yeah. Are you crazy? I would never follow a God that I just never know. If he's going to strike me dead. Really? I prefer to do it on my own. Thank you very much. Because I never know if I'm going to go to heaven or hell. Really? He might change his mind for the last minute. That if, you, if you listen to how some Christians describe God and what he will or will not do, it is the description of an abuser. It's what laws are created to tell women to get out of those relationships. It's where the, the child care system comes in and takes children out of those environments to put them in foster care. That same environment. So I know what God's going to do based on what his word says. How he's going to do it, I don't know. But that's the great part of the whole thing. <laughs> it's like, surprise me. <laughs> Pastor Doug giving me that cup was the first time he was ever able to surprise me of what I didn't know. I couldn't guess what it was. I try not to either. I don't want to know. Like, surprise me. <laughs> On 23 years of marriage, he was like, finally. <laughs> about this and it was delayed in coming and he was like oh did the package come no I didn't even know package was coming well there's this thing come. oh okay <laughs> let's let God have that type of relationship with us yeah. why do we always have to know what it's going to be we just make our request known and that's it yeah. <laughs> don't border yourself in we're good I think I told everything I tell you. Any questions? Do not edit my words. <laughs> you can go research it in the Bible. I give you enough scriptures to look it up, but do not edit it based on your life experience. You hear what I'm saying? Everybody, do you hear what I'm saying? Do not edit my words until you confirm them in the word. Edit it against the word of God. Don't edit it against your life experience. 